Indiana's new abortion ban could be driving some companies out of the state. Over the weekend, Eli Lilly announced that it's looking to grow employment outside of its home base in Indianapolis because of the state's freshly passed near-total abortion ban. The pharmaceutical company is one of the oldest and largest employers in the state. So joining us with the latest is Greg Hines, political writer for Crane Chicago Business. Hey, Greg, welcome back. Hey, Sasha. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for for joining here. I want you to make sense of this for us. Eli Lilly put out a statement. What did it say was the reason exactly for wanting to expand out of the state? Well, Eli Lilly is a is a high tech firm. Um, they're in the they're in the pharmaceutical business, but uh, that can be just as uh, as uh, brain intensive as uh, as chip production or uh, uh, any other kind of high tech business. Um, that means they need top talent. Uh, they need bright kids uh, and the young people who who want to work for them and are willing to move. In this case, to Indiana, uh, to uh, to get employment there. Um, and they are concerned, apparently, uh, I'm taking them at their word, that uh, the, the new uh, anti-abortion laws passed in Indiana are going to discourage some of that top talent and make it more difficult for them to recruit the people they need to grow their business. Um, you know, we can. Everybody has their own opinion on what abortion laws ought to be or ought not be. Uh, some people are pro-choice, some people are pro-life. I understand that. Um, but big companies are trying to, to maneuver through this, and they're trying to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And, and usually, they don't they don't talk about stuff like that. If they have a problem with the state, they generally, you know, they'll call up the governor or I'll look maybe behind the scenes, whatever. This kind of a public kind of statement is very unusual. And the significance, other than that it's bad for Indiana, is that it's good for Illinois because Illinois has already been trying to poach some of these companies. And right. now they have some reason to think they might succeed. Yeah, and we'll get some more into that. When we talk about the folks employed in Indiana by Eli Lilly, how many people are we talking about, Greg? Uh, they have more than 10,000. Uh, some of those are uh, manufacturing production people. Some of those are uh, scientists doing research. Uh, others are administrators. It's kind of scattered across the broad range. And you write that even before this announcement, the company's relationship with the Indiana government, that had been showing some signs of strain. How so? Uh, yeah, the company had they they'd sent up some smoke signals in their own in their own uh, unique fashion that said, hey, we're not terribly happy with the with some of the stuff you're doing here. Um you know, uh, Lilly is unique in the sense that big pharma companies tend not to be headquartered in small Midwestern states. Uh, they tend to be Boston or uh, Los Angeles or the New York area or whatever. Um, and maybe some of that just coming to the surface. But uh, but uh, like I said, this particular statement that specifically says, hey, we think this action by the legislature is going to hurt us, and we're going to have to we have to now seriously consider moving some of our people or hiring, expanding somewhere else. That's very unusual in the corporate world. It almost never happens. Yeah. Yeah, it says we will be forced to plan for more employment growth outside of our home state. What other companies are thinking about making a similar move? A uh, similar, if somewhat less explicit uh, statement came from Cummins Engineering. Uh, uh, that's kind of interesting uh, because uh, Cummins is, is the kind of com- uh, company that would fit very comfortably in Illinois. Um, they uh, they also pointed to this specific uh, uh, action by the legislature. And people here tell me that uh, they're going to make some have some conversations with the folks at Roche, which is another uh, pharmaceutical company. With, it's not headquartered in Indiana, but they have big uh, operations there. But maybe uh, expanding here over on this side of the border. Yeah, are we seeing 
companies threatening to leave in other states that have strict abortion laws, Greg? Uh, I, I'm not an expert in that field, uh, but, but uh, yeah, there's been some uh, there's been some uh, some, some indications that, that people are happy. But uh, uh, I think it's happening first in Indiana because Indiana is the first state to actually pass new legislation since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. Right. Uh, in all the other states, there are pre-existing laws that had been on the books that were were on hold, they weren't being enforced. Indiana is the first one to actually take the step of, of doing something new and different uh, that wasn't on the books before. So it's kind of, this is kind of be going to be the leader uh, in demonstrating what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. Yeah. And dig more into this, uh, this wave of companies wanting to expand out, outside of uh, Indiana and what that would mean for the future of business there. Well, it's obviously not good. Um, uh, I mean, if your pharmaceutical companies are fabulously profitable, uh, they, uh, they have an income tax in Illinois or in Indiana. Uh, uh, above and beyond that, you have uh, 10,000 people who, as I understand, are paid pretty well, 150,000, 160,000, might the average, something like that. Um, uh, those people buy houses. Uh, they spend money. Uh, they send their kids to school. All that keeps your economy going. So you have what the corporation pays and then what all the uh, what all the uh, people that work for the corporation pay. That's the, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that uh, states want, uh, particularly since this is a clean industry. This isn't like a... a, a a stinky steel plant, yeah, for instance, right. uh, or a uh, or a, uh, a processing center for uh, for uh, uh, for metal that's being uh, carved up. Uh, there's been a big fight in in the Lake Calumet area here in Chicago about that. Uh, school is nice and clean. It doesn't it doesn't really pollute, and it pays a lot of money. It's the kind of company you want. And uh, it, uh, when the company says, "Well, we're not sure we want to stay here, mm-hmm. we want to expand here," that's not very helpful. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. They're usually pretty unproblematic, right? Correct. How are lawmakers in Indiana reacting to the news? Uh, so far, I've not seen uh, any sign that the, that they're going to change their minds. Um, uh, the governor signed the bill the very the very day it uh, it finally uh, cleared the legislature. Um, uh, if anything, there's been complaining that the that the, uh, the the law is not strict enough. Uh, that the, because it has exemptions for rape, uh, uh, health, uh, serious uh, health of the mother, uh, and incest. That the, uh, that the, uh, we need to do more and talk and come back and, and toughen this law later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if they're going to change their mind, um, I haven't seen any sign of it yet. Uh, but I'm not sure you would. This is the kind of thing that happens behind the scenes, and the, you know the big shots get together in a room and they cut a deal, and then boom, they announce it. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just joining us, we're talking with Greg Hines, who's a political writer for Crane Chicago Business, and we're talking about pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly pushing back against Indiana's near total abortion ban. Greg, some activists, they've actually pointed out that Eli Lilly and Cummins waited to to criticize the abortion ban until after it was signed. Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm I'm not close enough to the company, Sasha, to answer that. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, 
I don't want to be overly sympathetic to big to big corporations, but they're in a they're in a real tough spot here. Their their business is not to is not to make politics and it's not to uh, uh, take sides on partisan issues. Their business is to do their business, so they're very reluctant to to get involved in the public sphere here. Um, yeah, I suppose you can you can criticize them and say that you, they should have spoken up earlier. Uh, I'm not sure it would have made any difference though. Um, mm-hmm. And the legislature seemed pretty intent. Um, and you have a very conservative uh, general assembly there. They seem pretty intent on doing this. Uh, my suspicion, I don't know, my suspicion is that uh, the corporate press and Lilly had talked about this and, uh, and looked at it and, and, and uh, concluded that the that no, we probably shouldn't get involved in the legislative process per se, but we have every right to talk about the impact of that after it's happened. Yeah. Many companies you know, across the country have already spoken out against the overturning of Roe. Any sense, Greg, of, of how they're offering support to their employees that live in states that have these trigger laws and restrictions? Yeah, they've said that they've said they're going to offer financial support for employees that uh, have to go out of, out of state to have an abortion and don't have the resources. Um, let me add one other thing though on what we were just talking about. The, uh, I think in corporate streets around the country are looking at what happened to Disney down in Florida, uh, where they didn't do something, then they did do something. Uh, the governor came back and uh, and hit them with, a, with what could be a big tax increase. Um, uh, Companies don't like to get involved in messy stuff like this, um, but uh, we live in a country in a world where, where some of the rules are changing, and uh, in this case, uh, uh, these companies in Indiana have responded the way they have. As you alluded to earlier, it does seem like Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot are trying to woo companies to this state. What have they actually said so far? Well, what they said is that uh, was that uh, the governor has said that uh, we're a welcoming state and uh, we're going to contact people and have conversations. Uh, Lightfoot has been a little more specific. Uh, she says, oh, yeah, we're having the conversations. They're going to be intense conversations or whatever. She's actually sent uh, right after Roe v. Wade was repealed. She actually sent letters to Fortune 100 companies, the largest companies in the, in the country, in states that the that have uh, anti-abortion laws and said, hey, think about coming up to Chicago. Um, uh, you know, in a vacuum, that's kind of nice. You could, could kind of roll your head and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people don't want to come to Chicago for other reasons, crime or whatever. Um, and there's still some truth to that. Um, but uh, but the, the fact that, that these companies in particular really seem to be welcoming these kinds of initiatives uh, uh, indicates that uh, they have some, for some reason to think that it's going to succeed, and, and the governor and the mayor have clearly signaled, and the people around them have clearly signaled they're going to they're going to do their best to see what they can do. We're probably not going to get a headquarters here, but uh, certain operations, expansion facilities, whatever. There's rumors, for instance, that uh, there's various developers in the Chicago area now who are trying to build new wet labs, uh, which are biological labs. We don't have very many, but we're expanding quickly. That they're talking to uh, to Lily about the about potential here. So clearly, there's going to be, I think, a first-class effort here to uh, yeah. to get them to do something. Well, when it comes to job growth, where does Chicago rank among other big cities in this country? Uh, we have been lagging. Uh, we have been lagging for a very long time. Uh, 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 Chicago's economy is still largely dependent for, for good or for bad on the Midwest economy. The Midwest economy just has not grown in the last 30 or 40 years. And we're kind of the capital of, uh, of, uh, of what used to be called the Rust Belt. Um, that has hurt us. Um, uh, 
things in various indicators like the like home prices have grown slower here than in other cities. Um, we do show some signs of progress in the, in the tech area, uh, which is one of the reasons I think that that's behind this. But it's you know, it, this is the, the the game of of attracting jobs and investments. It's it's not a chess game. It's like a soccer match. There's all kinds of things happening at the same time. There's various forces, people running around doing various things. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, if indeed they are right, Lily is right that uh, this new law in in uh, in in Indiana is going to be a major impediment to their ability to attract talent. That could, I won't say game changer, but that could help Chicago significantly and it might turn the tide a little bit and uh, and uh, maybe attract some stuff. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's been some other collateral kinds of things too that are that are promising. Uh, the growth of Meridian uh, in Normal, where they now have more than 6,000 people. I mean, there was nobody working there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have... Uh, 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 Lion, uh, which is a, uh, an, another electric vehicle company, they make buses, has been expanding. Governor Pritzker is out there today uh, and, uh, to make some news. Um, uh, despite all the bad things that have been happening in the company that have moved out of state, like Caterpillar, there are some good things happening on the, on the other side of the equation. Uh, so maybe we can even up the scales a little bit here. Yeah. While I have you here, Greg, I want to switch gears to something else that you've been reporting on, which is NASCAR. Crane Chicago Business has the uh, the contract between the Park District and the racing company. What are the details? Well, the details are when Mayor, when Mayor Lightfoot announced this uh, uh, a few weeks ago, she said, hey, this is going to be a great event for Chicago. Uh, they're going uh, to pay us a little bit of money, and uh, the race is going to be two days. Um, uh, well, as it turns out, uh, while the race is going to be two days, the setup period around the race is going to be as long as a, uh, as a month uh, because they're going to build large viewing stands and sell tickets, uh, particularly in the area around uh, Buckingham uh, Fountain. Um, uh, the, the deal with the Park District says that for a relatively small amount of money at this point, they essentially get to use the southern half of the park, everything south of, of, uh, of Monroe uh, uh, for up to a month, um, and they're expecting uh, to attract large crowds, a hundred thousand, up to a hundred thousand wow. a day, which is which is Lala size. Um, above and beyond that, the mayor had said this is a three-year deal. Well, if you look at the fine print, it's a three-year deal, but it also has two one-year options, so it's really that are pretty much automatic. So, so it's a five-year deal. Interesting. Um, you know, so the question is, and they still haven't said how long they're going to close Lake Shore Drive, which you're going to close for this, how long are they going to close Michigan Avenue. So the question is, what are we getting out of this? Clearly, uh, it's it's good publicity, it's business for the hotels, whatever, but financially, what are we getting? Mm-hmm. Well, well, the details of the contract that we've seen, at least what the city has released so far, suggests that compared to Lala, we're not getting a lot. Um, Lala paid uh, almost $8 million in rent. Uh, that figure is supposed to go up next year. Um, NASCAR is committed to pay $500,000 or to go up a little bit in the, in the out years, um, plus a, a, a ticket fee of three bucks a ticket, plus a certain percentage on uh, of uh, sales on merchandise. Okay. Uh, but, but they haven't said how much that's going to be worth. Uh, and, and there's some revenue streams that Lala pays uh, the park that's gone that won't be available here, like sponsorships. Uh, we won't, uh, the city won't get a cut of this, whereas with Lala we do. How are aldermen reacting to it? I'm curious. Um, the downtown aldermen whose wards are affected are absolutely furious. 
Um, uh, some of that is just pure nimbyism, but I think some of it is genuine. Uh, Brendan Riley, uh, Sophia King, and uh, and uh, uh, Pat Dow have all said, in effect, hey, we got cut out of this. The mayor didn't talk to us. She didn't consult us. She hasn't given us details. Uh, Riley yesterday actually thanked me for, for flying this thing because he says he hasn't been able to get these kind of details. Mm. Um, I mean, I find that for a, for a mayor who uh, who promised to be open and transparent, this may be a good deal, but uh, prove it. Put it all out there. Let people say it. Let people debate about debate it instead of saying this is a fait accompli and I want what I want. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, she hasn't. Mm. Greg Hines, political writer for Crane Chicago Business. Thank you so much for joining us, Greg. My pleasure. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.